day to you guys, wherever you're watching around the world. Welcome back to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. This is episode 131, and today we'll be recapping all the events happening at the debut, the inaugural 2022 Miami Grand Prix. There was a very interesting weekend indeed in South Florida, and I'm sure that we've got a lot of opinions on this weekend's race. And I'm glad to have a full house here tonight recording on this Tuesday evening. We got Tyler McDonald. And returning from a couple of weeks away in vacation in India is Shaker Barty. Great to have you guys all along here tonight. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Uh, maybe not as hungover as Max is, but uh, doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm still recovering from my like 24 hour of travel, but I'm. I'm doing good. <laughs> Pretty long flight, eh? Yeah, 16 hours. So yeah, you can't go straight over uh, the Ukraine right now. So it added an extra two hours to my flight. It was supposed to be 14 and it'd be 16. So, so yeah. You, you, yeah, you might be feeling exactly like Max then, but in a different way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very, very uh, interesting weekend indeed. And I think a lot of today's podcast will just be discussing kind of the, the Miami, not so much even the Grand Prix, but just all the festivities and everything. Because Certainly a lot of people have their opinions about this race weekend. And of course, we are going to actually talk about the on-track events because that's what's most important and had a pretty big impact on the championship as well for this weekend. So I guess we can get right into then just talking about this race. And Tyler, I'll begin with you. And I don't even really know where to start for <laughs> for this weekend. So maybe I'll just give the floor to you and let me know what were your first impressions of the circuit itself, first of all, and then just the rest of the madness that was going on in Miami. Yeah, I knew it was going to be something out of the ordinary. Um, it's been uh, trying to be mini Monaco in a way. So you knew they're going to have uh, some sort of grand uh, spectacle that they were trying to accomplish. And in Miami, it's a party city. Um, was definitely expecting to be some sort of um, party like vibe involved in it. And I thought they did a really good job. If I was a fan at the track, I would have had a phenomenal time. I mean, you had the yacht club, you had a beach club, you had um, all the different um, manufacturers have their own stands and tons of different events to go to. I thought it would be phenomenal to go to as a spectator in Miami. And I think that's going to be one of the driving forces. They know uh, to get people coming back in the United States um, you have to have that appeal of wanting to go to an event, having a great time at an event. If you take stuff from NASCAR and the tailgating that happens for NASCAR, it's a whole day event. You have tons of um, concerts and um, different activities to do during the day and at night, and so you make a full weekend out of it. And the, you know, Miami Grand Prix kind of do try to do something similar to that, but with um, maybe a little bit of a European flair to it as well. Um, so I thought from that perspective, they did a phenomenal job. Um, the track, um, I, I was cautious, cautiously optimistic going into the weekend. I really liked it, honestly. I, I really thought the track um, provided some decent overtaking spots, but not too many at the same time. And I like the different sort of areas that your car had to be good at every single thing, had to be good at um, straight line speed, had to be good in the high um, speed corners in the first sector. And at the end of the second sector, it had to have a really good chassis with those uh, little chicanes as well. So. Uh, for the track design, I, I thought they did uh, a pretty solid job. Um, as for um, maybe the race, the race wasn't exactly the way I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be more entertaining than what it was, um, which is unfortunate um, for the actual um, you know, viewers not at the race. 
Um, but I mean, that's one of those things where there's going to be some feeling out process. Obviously there's a lot of problems with the tarmac at the race and, uh, they're going to have to do some work, uh, fixing that for next year. And hopefully that provides a better racing, um, atmosphere as well for the drivers, but it's all in all an interesting weekend. And, um, I'll, I'll stop rambling as we get into more things on here. Shake your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, it overall looked like a very like exciting event. Uh, I mean, obviously, they had a lot of publicity around it. A lot of the drivers uh, going out to a lot of the sports events and a lot of stuff that was going on around Miami the week beforehand to kind of promote the race itself. Um, I mean, I'm not too sure of all the rumors that have come out of the event because obviously it was like the first time they put it on, but not having enough water and overcharging for a lot of stuff. I mean, again, just one of those things that are probably rumors that we can't really confirm at the moment. But like I said, first year uh, for, you know, Miami putting on a Grand uh, Grand Prix, uh, you know, basically on the other side of the U.S. So it's kind of interesting to see. Um, And I'm sure they're going to be making it, like you said, Tyler, making it better the years to come, especially safer because um, I know Carlos Sainz mentioned that a lot of the the wall that he hit uh, felt like it was a lot of damage and uh, felt like uh, he hurt himself pretty bad. So they're going to be trying to work on some of the uh, the walls that they're going to be putting in that's in those spots. And I think Esteban Ocon complained about the same thing as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know for first year for Miami Grand Prix, the track looked uh, the uh, the track itself looked pretty good. I'm sure they'll make improvements to um, to the areas that they we had we saw difficulties in. That's a good point, Shaker, that you bring up about that wall because I don't think they were expecting there to be crashes going into that quarter. And with it yeah. being such a slow speed spot, I don't think they were expecting um, the shortest shunts that we saw. Um, and, uh, you know, I would like to see some sort of tech pro barrier. I think there would be the best idea for it, or and at least a little, uh, you know, maybe some more tires as well. And you kind of extend those that wall a little bit further. But yeah, that, those are some pretty hard hits into concrete barriers. So that's a good point. I think that's exactly what Signs mentioned having some, uh, some of those, some of the tech pro walls, uh, set up there too. So yeah, that'd be good for it for sure. Hey guys, before we get back to the video, we'd just like to announce our new sponsor, NordVPN. Now, if you guys don't know what a VPN is, it's a virtual private network that hides your IP address and protects your identity, especially if you're roaming on public Wi-Fi networks. We use it all the time here at the Backmarkers F1 show between me, Tyler, and Shaker, especially me when I'm looking for the latest news about F1 from around the world and I can't access it because of my location. With one click, boom, I'm connected either on my Android or PC, and I'm racing through the web, no problem. And you guys that watch F1 will know that you need a good VPN if F1 TV is blocked in your area. So if F1 content is blocked in your area, you can use NordVPN's over 5,400 servers in 60 plus countries to watch the 2022 F1 season. And much like the Ferrari this year, it's the fastest and the most reliable. So check the pinned comment in the video or in the description box to get an exclusive NordVPN deal with us at nordvpn.com forward slash backmarkers. So check out NordVPN guys, all the info in the description box below. And now let's get back to the video. And just to continue on the subject of the track safety, I believe what the stewards and the organizers were saying is that the tech pro wasn't possible because they were pretty much already making that corner so narrow that with the tech pro it was gonna be, be even more narrow. At least that was their reasoning. So I don't know if that was true or not, but. Uh, Esteban Ocon's crash was reportedly 51G impact, which was pretty huge considering, especially like you said, Tyler, at that area of the circuit, they didn't really expect any of those types of crashes and certainly not at that level, but it was a very, very hard concrete wall. And yeah, both drivers complaining of physical issues afterwards. But I, I think that for me, 
piggybacking off what you guys are talking about, if we just stick to the track for the moment, the track was all right for me. It wasn't as good as some of the newer circuits that we've seen. Like, let's take Jetta, for example, which is a brand new one we can compare it to. The jet, the racing at Jetta isn't great. Obviously, the race is a little bit dangerous. A lot of safety cars, hard to overtake there as well. But what I like about Jetta is that from a driving perspective, a one-lap perspective, it's a phenomenal circuit to drive. And I think a lot of the drivers really do enjoy that adrenaline rush. Here in Miami, for me, the Autodrome isn't as great over one lap as Jetta, for example. And that's kind of the problem for me was that if the circuit isn't really thrilling over one lap and in the race, it's not that great, you know, the circuit kind of falls short a little bit for me because the high speed sections are great. Awesome to see that area with the cars going through there. But then when we got into that Mickey Mouse chicane, as Daniel Ricardo called it, of turn 14, 15, and then even into 16, it was just so slow especially with these heavy cars this year. But I think even going back to the cars of early 2014, it would have been extremely slow even as well and almost next to impossible to overtake through there. So the circuit was a little underwhelming for me, but it wasn't bad. I think with a little bit of changes, it can be a solid circuit. Sector 3, a little bit like Sochi, as many people were saying. So yeah, yeah I think that the problem is, is that when you look at what the drivers were saying about the circuit, a lot of them weren't happy. The tarmac wasn't great. There was a lot of other issues too. I mean, Sergio Perez flat out just came out and said that the tarmac was a joke. So those are things that when you host a Grand Prix for the first time, it's not what you want to hear. Compare it to when they went to Portimao for the first time. Really, really good things that they were saying about it. You know, when we went back to Zamvort last year, weren't much complaints. So Miami fell short in there. I think that they went a little too much overboard with the hype and not enough focus on the racing. Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. I mean, you do have to consider the the actual uh, tarmac as one of the main spots, and <laughs> you compare it to the other races. I mean, like you said, Jetta, brand new tarmac, uh, no complaints there. Portsmouth, we had that issue with the first year with it being um, almost too slick, but that was fixed uh, for next year as well. So they're going to have to invest in in a new surface uh, as well. For as we mentioned, that Mickey Mouse chicane. I almost, I know I'd have to look at the actual course layout to see if this is possible, but I wonder if they could put a little Singapore sling in there to keep it mm. still somewhat high speed, but have that chicane. I love the Singapore sling. I was so upset when they got rid of it. And I'd love to see that chicane back in F1 and somehow you can call it the Miami sling or the dolphin sling or the, just call it the dolphin corner. I don't care. Um, but I think that'd be a phenomenal little spot. I don't know if it would actually work. Uh, logistically um, I'd have to actually look at the track but I think it'd be a really good idea to put uh, in that uh, location no doubt and I think that there will be some changes coming to the circuit for next season Alonzo already said basically to the FAA look they got to resurface this for 2023 so that we know will change other other track alterations we're not sure of but Let's keep the topic on the track for the moment, and then we'll get, get into a little bit of the race itself, and then probably the rest of this talk will be about some of the more odd things that we saw this weekend <laughs> in Miami. But keeping on the issue of the racing itself, which was the big question, right? Okay, over one lap, it was a pretty decently exciting track, but the big question mark is obviously the racing. And interestingly enough, the Miami Autodrome had the second highest number of overtakes this season behind the opening race in Bahrain. Now, whether that was aided by the late safety car or not, I'm not exactly sure, but we missed a lot of those overtakes because of the F1 TV direction, and we'll touch on that a little bit later because it ties into this whole, you know, promoting more of the venue itself than the racing, but 
I mean, there was some decent amount of action, right? I mean, the race was a little bit boring before we got to that safety car period with Lando and Pierre Gasly having that incident. But we obviously saw some great battles between Verstappen and Sainz on lap one. Verstappen then taking the lead on Charles Leclerc shortly thereafter and basically running away with the race had it not been for that safety car. So, Tyler, what was what were your impressions about the race itself, putting aside all the other extracurricular activities? What did you think of the racing around Miami? I thought it was solid. I, I like. I know it wasn't ideal, um, and there could have been more spots for overtaking, but I thought that, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, there was enough overtaking, enough spots for overtaking, and we saw some some moves being made. Um, it, I think it could be improved still, I think there's a lot of spots where they could improve the racing, but at the same time, I think they have the the basis of the right idea for the actual layout of the track. I think the, all the pieces are there. They just have to put the puzzle together to make it you know exactly how they would like it to create a, a very good racing track. No, I totally agree. I I enjoyed uh, the racing there. Enjoyed uh, some of the overtakes that I saw. I like that they made the track wide enough wide enough for the overtakes, unlike Jetta, which is a brand new circuit. Um, and yeah, just like there, you know, there was slow, there was some good chance for a DRS to overtaking. Um, and it seems like a lot of the cars that are obviously faster on the straight, uh, faster on the straight, uh, benefited more from this track. But like you guys said, if we make a little bit of those changes, make the, make it faster pace, uh, faster paced corners, we might be seeing, um, might see a different kind of race next year. Um, yeah. The potential is there. It's It wasn't the most exciting race. It wasn't the most boring race. It was kind of in the middle or so. But, uh, you know, just let's touch on the drivers here, which really should have been the stars of the show this weekend. But uh, Max Verstappen, man, I mean, we can't really say enough positive things about this driver because reigning world champion has won every single race that he's finished in 2022. And I think this is, again, what I was really disappointed about this weekend. I know people were excited about the new venue, but the championship really took a backseat this weekend because this was a critical race here going into race five after the events of Imola in this championship because look at the performance Max Verstappen put on. Barely any running on Friday. So many issues for Red Bull. It was looking like, oh, here we go again. The reliability, the RB18 is quick, but it's not reliable. And with barely any running, man, Max just made a mistake in qualifying, but then came out in the race and really essentially just dominated the Ferraris. I did not expect to see the gap so large there. I know the straight line speed advantage is great, but he just drove such a fantastic race, handled the safety car restart brilliantly. Leclerc really never had a chance, even though Leclerc drove a really, really solid weekend. But this is so interesting now in the championship, 19 points gap now as we go into some of the more European races like Monaco and Spain. But just a phenomenal performance from both championship contenders i thought that, that was especially from verstappen really really impressive weekend uh, it really was it showed you know how why he's a champion uh, in this sport i mean the drive was phenomenal after basically no practice on a circuit that he's never been at um it was really really impressive to see him uh, he was bold on turn one made the move got by carlos Sainz, and i thought carlos maybe wasn't aggressive enough there. I know you don't want to make contact with Max, but, you know, he really seemed that um, that Max kind of was more aggressive with him and he kind of let, let Max go. I mean, I'm not in the driver's seat, nor am I a driver, so that could be not even true at all, but that's just how it seemed on TV. Um, but it, and then the overtake on, on, on Charles was, was well done by Max, well-timed. 
Um, I think that, you know, the only thing that's going to stop Max now from winning this title is Red Bull's reliability. Uh, that's going to be the big thing. And now it's saying that, you know, Spain, I would favor the Ferraris. Monaco I would favor the Ferraris as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where the point gap lays out uh, after those two races. But uh, just a, a phenomenal drive by Max Verstappen. Like you said, that, that incredible record this year of every uh, race he finishes, he's winning. So that's a, that's a big kind of eye-opener in this championship. Yeah, and I, I think you said best. That's a championship-winning drive. You know, that's one of those drives that you – know, you know, Lewis Hamilton would do, uh, and we'd be like, holy shit, where did he come out from to get that win? Um, but yeah, he just, he, I was, I was mentioned this right before we got, got on the podcast, but I was talking to my buddies and like, oh, it's going to be, it seems like a Ferrari winning kind of weekend this year, uh, uh, weekend for, um, weekend for Ferrari. And I'm like, uh, I'm not too sure, man. Like, it didn't seem like he put in a really fast time in qualifying. If you can hold it together throughout the entire, like, you know, race, yeah, Red Bull might have a chance. But yeah, very well done drive from Max, and felt really bad for Perez at the end. He could have had a, had a, had that move and gotten that third place for Red Bull as well. Yeah, unfortunate there for Checo had some engine sensor issues, almost had to retire actually. So thankfully, he was able to finish fourth. Might have been able to get on the podium without them, but he's still kind of in the championship mix as well. You never know with the reliability concerns of his car, but Max's as well, and what happens with Leclerc too. So. Very interesting point in the season we're at now because next race is obviously Barcelona. Big upgrades are expected for the majority of these teams. Ferrari is going to bring some upgrades. Red Bull, I'm sure, is going to bring something. So it all depends on whether those upgrades are going to correlate correctly for the teams and if they're going to be able to improve their pace or if they're maybe going to go the other way. So, yeah, very, very interesting weekend from the on-track action, I think, from our championship leaders. Further down the field... One driver I really wanted to mention, and I think deserved driver of the day. I know Verstappen had a very fantastic race, but Esteban Ocon, I really thought that had a very, very great recovery. As we mentioned off the top of the podcast, had the 51G impact, was sore, wasn't even able to participate in qualifying, started from the very back of the grid, ended up in P8. You wouldn't have seen him on the F1 TV feed because they were too busy showing the Yacht Club, but a phenomenal recovery from Ocon. Yeah, it was a great, great drive from the Frenchman. I mean, um, really put his head down and that Alpine car look at home on the on the Miami track. And even Alonso um, raced pretty well, uh, I thought, even though he had that at times. Uh, five second <laughs> penalty. But uh, other than that, um, I thought he actually had a, a good race as well. So no, a phenomenal by Esteban and uh, hopefully he can continue this sort of momentum that he has this season. I feel like he's really coming out in, um, battling Alonso for that number one driver role for Alpine. It's an interesting little kind of um, turn, change of change of the tides. I don't know, handing off almost maybe, but um, I've been impressed with Ocon this year. Yeah, I I, I, I totally agree. I think Espan Ocon has been, uh, definitely changed my point of view since last year. Uh, he's really impressed me. Um, just correct me if I'm wrong. Are Renault the only ones running a Renault or Alpine the only ones running a Renault engine? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Their engine looks really good. I, I, I'm surprising. I know uh, coming out from what we said in testing, but their their car looks really good this year. Um, and yeah, if they, he keeps putting in those drives, he's going to be getting those constructor points from uh, for Alpine all the way through. I know they only have 26 at the moment uh, in sixth place, but I'm doing too bad. And you have the standings up there. I think Alonso was in 16th, if I'm not mistaken, in the driver's standings. 
Uh, yeah, he's 16th with two, and then Albon ahead with three. You know, it's all pretty close after the, after uh, 12th place, all within like two or three points. Yeah, Alonso's really had some of the more bad luck of this season. Mm-hmm. Only scoring those two points, he's had some phenomenal drives. Has had some mistakes too, like in Miami. I think some were just a little bit overly aggressive on his end. But I mean, Alpine would probably be in a much better situation if Alonso didn't have all that unfortunate luck and reliability issues. But you mentioned the driver there, Shaker, Alex Albon, another fantastic performance for Williams. And they got the strategy right once again. Things went their way. And I believe that he got bumped up into P9 after all the penalties shuffled through. And so grab two points for Williams. I know it's not much, but Williams looking like they're having another another struggle in 2022. Nicky Latifi still plenty off the mark at the moment. But Alex Albon carrying the torch on his own and was having some pretty good battles with the likes of the Mercedes in the midfield so he's kind of like putting himself right place at the right time those points count yeah i will say they got the the, the um strategy right on one side of the garage one and side, it seemed yeah. like it's been that way the whole year they've gone it i'm not, like def- i'm defending nicholas Heapy here because i think he's got robbed a few times here on bad strategies um and it's been un- really unfortunate for nicky um not to discredit Albon, he's been phenomenal this year um, he also had an upgraded car compared to Nikki, who didn't have an upgraded car. Um, so it, that's something to keep in mind as well. Now, of course, Nikki needs to, to perform on the racetrack himself. Um, but I mean, I think Latifi's had a, a tough go at, at bad luck this year. And Albon's had, you know, a go at some pretty good luck as well. Um, speaking of bad luck too, uh, Shaker before, I'll, I'll, I want to get you to t- talk about this too. But um, I think the Aston Martins got absolutely robbed this weekend. I'm, I'm, I feel very bad for Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel because it looked like they were going to have a double points finish at one point. And their car actually looked half decent. I don't know if they brought any upgrades, but it looked it looked pretty good at Miami. And, you know, starting from the pit lane, a strategy goes right their way. And, you know, midway through the race, uh, near the end of the race, they're both looking like they're going to score points. And then uh, – uh, well, Stroll gets taken out and Vettel gets taken out and all of a sudden there goes all those points. So uh, unfortunate for Aston Martin as well. I want to touch on that uh, before you chimed in, Shaker. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. They're definitely a rob, but I, I think from what all the Mercedes works teams for all the Mercedes engine team, they all look really good. Uh, this fifth race, you know, even, even uh, what do you call it? Uh, even McLaren uh, look really good this weekend. I really want to ch- touch on Valtteri Bottas. Because he has been phenomenal, phenomenal this season um, for uh, Alfa Romeo, coming out with seventh and all these finishes that he's had in all his other races, um, and you know he was holding up to both the Mercedes if he didn't get into that ba- bad little slide uh, to almost go into the barriers, but he held it together. But I, I think I, he was my driver of the driver of the day for sure. And great recovery for him, too, after the incident in, I think it was practice or qualifying. I don't even remember now, but uh, he hit. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's been phenomenal this season, and he loves his life at Alfa Romeo now. I think he's really enjoying the vibe at that team, and it's working really well for him. And, um, yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, looking at it for from perspective from Alfa Romeo, too, it's just working really well with the rookie partnership with Zhou Guanyu. He's going to have some little bit of catching up to do, obviously, to Bottas, but I think he's had some bad luck at times this season, but kind of rookie pains as well. So we'll see where it ends up. Another driver I did want to mention, just because you were touching on that, Tyler, agree with you on the Aston Martin perspective. 
and just kind of unfortunate with what happened with the Vettel and Schumacher incident. And, you know, young Mick, he's in his second year in Formula One now. He's going to have to start stepping it up a little bit here because he's been quite a few steps behind Kevin Magnussen. He's been kind of making a little bit of uh, clumsy mistakes every now and then, which is kind of on, has put him in positions unable to score points. Has kind of fell back again this weekend, which is a little bit strange because I think that they would have been able to at least get one driver into the points. But I think that Mick Schumacher, it's at the time now where, okay, last year we were able to forgive with some of these mistakes, but he's got to step it up now because he's got Kevin Magnussen alongside him and he's not going to give him any sort of breaks. And he's really going to have to be a much, much better driver because he's got an excellent teammate in comparison to him. Yeah, and I think uh, Big Brother Seb or Uncle Seb, however you want to call it, um, we'll have a good talking to him about that incident uh, that, of course, took took Sebastian Vettel out of the race. Um, I think it's a good learning moment maybe for Mick, and I'm sure Vettel will go with that approach when talking to him. Obviously, he was upset, but I think, you know, uh, I, th- I think it was, it was a Crofty who said it on the broadcast. There's there's no friendships on on the track and everything like that. It's hard to have a friendship in F1, um, which is true. But at the same time, uh, you know, I think it'll be a good learning moment from veteran to young driver who, who is learning the ropes as well. But so you, you're right. He needs to step up. It looks like he was this weekend. He had been ahead of Magnuson all throughout the race and qualified him and looked really good. Um, but again, that one mistake uh, cost him what could have been, I think, one point. Because, I, I, I mean, Albon, I think, was at 12th, and then there was that incident. There was another incident as well, or Albon moved all the way up. Anyways, um, but uh, he was close to getting a, a, his first ever um, Formula 1 point. Very unfortunate for Mick and Sebastian Vettel. I totally agree. Um, there's another touch. I... Was it Nicholas Latifi that went into the fight with uh, with um, Lance Stroll and Kevin Magnuson? Or was that Albon? I know he like made up one spot and then he ended up losing out two spots in the end. I yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I, <laughs> Me whoever it was, I didn't think it was the greatest move at the time. Just in that part of the track to do, we should have just waited it out a little bit. I think it was Nicholas Latifi. We might not even see it on the world feed. I haven't seen the onboards yet. So, yeah. yeah, I haven't watched the onboards either. I'm not sure. We don't want to see. Let us know in the chat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, so I think that kind of basically covers the events of the Miami Grand Prix and talking about uh, the incidents and the drivers. Like I said, not the most eventful race out there, but a half decent start to Formula One's life in Miami. And we can kind of finish the podcast just talking a little bit about some of the more uh, odd moments of the weekend. And really, I'm just going to put my two cents into it because I I touched on this in the video I put out on Monday. It was, you know, I think it's difficult for our perspective because we can't speak for everybody. I think you guys will agree with me on this, is that we're Formula One racing fans. I mean, personally, I don't really care for any of the celebrities or the pageantry or any of the all that stuff. I just care about the racing. You know, I would much rather see this Grand Prix go to... Barber Motorsports Park or Watkins Glen or Indianapolis and do the race there. It would be 100 times better. But we know Liberty Media, American-owned, it's about the money and it's about the glam and all that type of stuff. But I I don't know. It was just such an odd weekend for me just looking at it because it just didn't even really feel like it was an F1 race. It it was almost like it took the backseat to all the other stuff that was out there. It was just odd. So, So many odd things. The police escort... 
you know like that was uh, the weirdest th- that was so I'm, I'm like watching this afterwards i'm like where are they going and then they're coming out in like football helmets but they didn't strap them up so they're just yeah i'll, I'll let you guys have the floor i'm just gonna say very very odd weekend i i actually really like the football helmets it I wasn't even the worst was... part though no <laughs> I actually really like the football helmets. I thought that was a, a fun little idea on the on the classic hat. The police escort was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, come on. Like, what do we need here? Christian Horner is trying not to get run over by these police vehicles, and they had to delay him, and it took them, like, 50 minutes to get to the podium and everything like that. It was just – and I think it was only Max on that because, like, Charles yeah. and Carlos were – there early i don't know it was really really odd that was probably the oddest part of the weekend for me um and martin brundle um mistaking patrick mahomes for uh one of the uh a basketball oh, players really? that was just too funny i mean that's a meme right now um it, it was just it was odd it was very odd for little things like that uh, just i think overdoing it a little bit um and of course, like I said at the start of the podcast, they're trying to make it a mini Monaco or the U.S. Monaco or anything like that. But, you know, it's just there's ways of doing that without going overboard like we saw. And there's some ideas that I love. Like, I love the Yacht Club and I love the Beach Club idea. Like, that stuff's great. I think that fan experience inside the racetrack is really, really important. But that whole overdoing it for the TV part of things with the police escort and everything. I wasn't a big fan of that. And I don't know who they picked. Danica Patrick was phenomenal um, in qualifying. She's of course a U.S. based female racing driver who uh, was an IndyCar and a NASCAR and had made a pretty good career for herself. And she has, you know, understands what these, what these cars are. I was hoping she was going to do the post-race interview. I don't know who that was for the post-race interview, but Carlos Sainz's reaction I don't know if you saw it. Carl Sainz kind of did one like, what the heck after his questions? Because they were terrible, terrible questions. I, I, I think he was a boxer. I don't know exactly. Um, you, was it the black dude? Yes. Oh, that was uh, Willie T. Ribs. I have no idea who that is. I think he like, I don't want to, I don't think he raced in Formula One, but he was like, he's a, an American racing driver. I think he did IndyCar like way, way, way back in the day. Oh, did he? Oh, I, I didn't know. I, I like, I'll have to look look up and um and do some research on him and actually know who he is but um i just i didn't think his questions were that great i, thought, I know what you mean though yeah <laughs> I, I thought i thought danica should have been there as well anyways i'm rambling again shakers take the floor before i start saying crazy things um yeah i i kind of agree i thought it was like a little bit over over the top uh for what they were trying to do for miami but i understand where they're coming from um i i just i agree like prioritize the racing part of it you know like I don't give a shit about the yacht shots in the actual race. I care about seeing the race and, you know, seeing all the other other drivers that we don't usually see. They just like kept on cutting to the what the uh, you know shots of the track and then going back to Max and you know the top five drivers and we missed out a lot on what was actually happening in the race, which I feel like is more important. Um, like yeah, sure, the fan experience part of it is cool and all, but. You know, a lot of the people that are watching the race and tuning in around the world, they outweigh the amount of people that outnumber the amount of people that are there. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I like one of my friends. Uh, my friend's sister uh, went to went to the race and like they had a great time. But I don't know. I could only imagine what the reaction was tv wise in europe who's not used to this sort of like overdoing an american thing at least us here in canada we kind of 
we, we see that with this, you know, with the NFL and then like every, just overdoing it constantly with uh, all these things in Europe. It's not so much. You don't see that as much, I guess. So I wonder, I would love to hear what their reaction was to all this. Yeah, so I think that will then do it for the debut of the Miami Grand Prix. Certainly a lot of things to talk about following this race. And of course, we're going to get used, going to have to get used to these types of events because we've got Las Vegas in 2023. So if Miami was crazy and if you didn't like it, you're probably going to hate Las Vegas next season. But it is what it is. And uh, let's just say I'm actually going to be looking forward to the Spanish Grand Prix for the first time in maybe a little while. So uh, yeah, definitely let us know in the comments below what you thought of the Miami Grand Prix, the racing itself, the venue. If you happen to go to the race, especially, let us know in the comments what the experience was like. As Shaker, you were talking about your friend there, so that's always helpful for us uh, just watching at home. So I'll leave uh, any final thoughts to you guys before we wrap up here. Yeah, these new 2022 cars now have the challenge of making the Spanish Grand Prix interesting. So uh, (laughs) we'll see if they can live up to that challenge or not. That's going to be a a fun one to see um, how they go around in Spain. But other than that, that's it for me. Like you said, it's going to be an interesting time when Las Vegas happens next year, but uh, that's for next year to worry about. Let's get back to this uh, quick European leg and then a home Grand Prix for us. Yeah, I'm very excited to see possible overtaking at Spain. So, yeah, I agree. Let's uh, have a Canadian Grand Prix after like three years. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, that'll be coming up very shortly here in uh, in June. So looking forward to that. And of course... Looking forward to bringing you guys more podcasts and videos in these next couple of weeks. Thank you very much to everybody who supported us in the last uh, little bit. Of course, uh, all the numbers are great. It's nice to see so many new people as well subscribing to the channel. And of course, it's been uh, nice for us. It provided us more opportunities with sponsors and things like that. So thank you to the sponsors of our videos. Thank you to you guys as well. And of course, make sure you continue to support our work. You can do so by just subscribing to the channel. And if you want to take it a little bit further, you can join the community tab, uh, or excuse me, you can join our community on YouTube by clicking the uh, join and you can buy a membership there for us, or you can just donate directly at Buy Me A Coffee. You can find all that info in the description box down below. And of course, we're there on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, reachable by email as well. If you want to ask us any questions or recommend any future content, we're always open to suggestions. So for Tyler McDonald, Shaker Barty, I've been Chris Cato for this episode. Thank you guys very much for listening or watching, and we'll be with you again soon. Take care.